So, as I mentioned earlier, um, the citta heart is the basis, because that's, that's which is uh, distorted, uh, clouded, um, confused, hurting, um, and is potentially the source of our intention which is the impulse energy, the motivation to do it. Uh, even if we don't actually act upon it, still that's where the jump, that's where the arrow gets shaped, of our intention at that particular place. So it's a very significant place. It's a place of ethics, um, the place of conscience and concern, the place of compassion. It's also the place where the sense of self is established. You know, so if we don't say, you know, who am I, who am I, who am I, and you get past the name, and you get past the number and the body, and you get past the mind, particular mind state, what it, who is behind this, you know, who's the one who's receiving this mind state, you know, that question which doesn't really have an answer verbally, that, that points to chitta. You know, and it's not really an entity at all, it's a location, you know, or... In, in, our, in our experience, the centre of our experience, the centre of our experience, the centre of experiencing and responding, being affected and responding. And it's something that uh, is confused uh, and it's searching to find a place where it can feel good and comfortable and steady. And it's looking around the senses and going, this looks good. Oh, that, that passed. Oh, that looked nice. Oh, that wasn't so good after all. You know, <laughs> and that nearly worked, but it then changed. And that was that was great being with him, but then he died. And then, oh, <laughs> you know, like, where where is it? Maybe it's some kind of state of mind I could get into. So I get into some kind of state of mind of. Luminosity or jhana or something, get there, I'll be alright. And so the arrow is still pointing at some place to go. (laughs) And you can follow it. And you can go places that last for a period of time. But everything you go to is, always occurs in the realm of time. Even if it's a long time, then it declines. So, so, you know, in the Buddhist um, understanding, there's a lot of pretty nice places to hang out in. <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, these kind of celestial realms and cowper up in the Brahma Loka, certainly better than two weeks in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's very nice. And free, you know, great. But the Buddhist says, yeah, even this that's going to decline and then you're back here again so you know well still it's not you know, I wouldn't sniff at it you know but um, I'm saying you, yeah, that's where you can go and that's as far as you can go on the going on the, but there's a beyond that where the arrow no longer points <laughs> and instead you have the circle completed and there's no time because there's no as though the jitter isn't aiming anywhere, no place, and it's found itself, you could say.
and it's completed itself, it's come out of its distorted, confused, dented, twisted, contracted, flare, fiery, stagnant cloud coverings, pure, so the citta visuddhi, purification of citta, citta vimuti, liberation of citta, and that's done, it's understood to be there's both an energetic, okay, liberation, which means the energy is just really steady and refined and subtle, and it's not contracted around sense contact, it's not occluded, uh, and, but there's, so that's, but then more than that, there's panya vimuti, which means the awareness is poised around that, not holding on to it. And as we know, you know, in daily life we have to form arrows. We have to say 10 o'clock and Thursday and so on. And we do a shape and try to at least not have all kinds of weird arrows shooting off in five different directions at once. <laughs> you know, saying, okay, I'll do this. Recognizing, I'll do this, but that's not. That's not what, you know, that's just a thing I'm doing. It's not a fundamental final aim. It's just conventional. Do this, do that. This is, this is healing. This is sensible. This is, you know. And we can direct all that sense of intentionality can be, should always be, you know, a basic sense of, of goodwill behind it. You know. So we start thinking, well, what is this goodwill or loving kindness or love or what do these terms mean, actually? And they're great principles, but I think we're looking at something that's just not a, just a principle or an idea or a nice thought. It actually is an energy, right? You know, where there's a sense of inclusion and non-resistance and non-conflict and non-pressure and, you know, Okay. There's an energy there, that's, and it's called suffusive. And so the term that's, ref, you know, these, these, all these what are called Brahmaviharas, the term that associated with them is called suffusion, which isn't a very common word. We might say it's rather like, you know, steam gradually softening something, moving through something. It's not like the arrow, where we belt bang somebody with some metta. <laughs> Or shoot it off in all different directions. It's just a kind of, and he likened it in one simile. He said, "Well, even you know, if you get a, a, a conch or like a trumpet, and you blow it, then the sound, that sound, that that's that's what it's like. It's like it doesn't go to one particular point. It just suffuses the atmosphere, just like the sound of a trumpet would do. Yeah. So it's just kind of something. Then that's a circular quality, isn't it?" It's not an arrow, it's an expansion into that particular abiding. You know, and, he, and he recommended these um, qualities, I'm sure you're aware of them, we'll have a recitation on it here. Um, metta, goodwill, that which nourishes. Uh, it's a giving, you know, it's a nourishing, giving quality. Karuna, uh, that which is aware of the of the vulnerability of beings, 
and seeks to shelter or, you know, remove their pain. One is about, it's similar of course, but one is actually feeding, the other is more like healing or medicine, removing pain, or that they may not be hurt. They may not be hurt. Let me do this so they may not be hurt. That kind of quality. These are both very beautiful qualities. Uh, and they're, you know, they're sensible because we do, yeah, everybody likes to be fed. They don't obviously want, you know, toast and marmalade, but they may like a little bit of um, general warm-heartedness that feeds people nicely. Um, you know, um, so we look at feeding the heart, and there's a generous giving quality that we all, you know, if we're receptive, we feel nourished by it. And karuna means with sense of she could get hurt like this. I better be careful, you know. Oh, she's looking out for me, you know. Not just uh, that I might, you know, that I might do something really stupid, <laughs> reckless, careless. So I said, watch out. So it's got some wisdom in it. Mudita, the quality of um, sharing happiness. Okay. Sharing appreciation, sharing, oh, it's great that happened for you, I feel really good. Yeah, nice, it's your birthday, yeah, good for you, that kind of, you know, you think, because you, know, you think, well, well, why? It's not why, why doesn't work, it's just that's what happens, isn't it? If you really sense others in that, in that way, then their well-being, oh, lovely. You know, it really lifts me up. And so Mudita is associated fundamentally with um, people's good fortune or, or skills. You know, wow, she's a, she's a great craftsperson. You know, she really knows how to handle wood. Or you know, he's a he's a really sensitive acupuncturist. Or whatever. But of course, the the deepest appreciation is uh, that was a very wise and beautiful thing she did. You know. You know, that really, she gave good dhamma. Uh, it's going to last a long time because it is the best medicine because it can last a lifetime. Samudita. <laughs> and Upeka is uh, translated as equanimity. It means a certain sense of the mind is even when we recognize how the condition reality is. You know, goes positive, negative, gets a bit stuck, then seems to go really wonderful, and then whoops, you know, so you, you scan all of it and just say, just hold the space. <laughs> you know, this is no time to jump up and down clapping, nor is it time to get dejected, just hold the space, and, you know, sensitive, aware, tuned in, but not getting into, uh, you know, tipping the mind into you know, one state or another. You know, it's holding the openness. So this is a very, but there, present. And it, um, you know, it's it's a it's a quality that is sometimes difficult to understand intellectually. It's not very, it's not hardly rampant experience for most people in the world. <laughs> But it can come to where we get something that's a, a kind of a distortion or it becomes indifference, like 
you know, well, I don't care. That's not equanimity. <laughs> That's indifference. It means I'm dulling out, zoning out, I can't be bothered. You know, I've given up. Given up, you know, and that's not that's not opaca is not about giving up. <laughs> it doesn't give up. <laughs> it stays present. Mm. Yeah, but it has no particular trajectory, no direction to it. Mm. And so it's considered the 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 most refined, because this is where the arrow begins to dissolve. And yet, chitta is very present, tuned in, sensitive, able to respond and just holding the space in a heartful way. And so the Buddha certainly recommended these uh, cultivations. For purification from indifference, from grumpiness, from dejection, from callousness, from uh, lack of real conscience and concern, uh, hard-heartedness, brutality, violence, these tendencies that are obviously very prevalent in human beings. Cleaning out these, these tendencies in the confused chitta. Everybody there's a chitta, it's there for everyone, however weird or nasty they are, it's still there. And so we get a sense of that, you feel a sense of, you know, wow, some of these tyrant dictators are really bad state. <laughs> Mind chitta must be horrible <laughs> to be there. Uh, and, uh, you know, but they're human. Wow, so it's a reminder. Nothing can do you so much harm as a confused chitta. Nothing. And of course that radiates outwards. You radiate your paranoia, fear, aversion, aggression. That's what it does, you know. And that kind of happens because that's the nature of chitta. It is a kind of, it has a sort of a suffusive quality to it. So we think, well, actually, rather than radiating my negativity, <laughs> that affecting my speech and actions, then it radiates something else. You know, so, uh, and as you begin to witness, you know, the 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 actions, the intentions, um, you know, on a fairly subtle level, we can recognise certainly, certainly in my own mind, quite a lot of intentions. Just, I'll get that over with. I'll finished. You know, is that goodwill? I think so. <laughs> and when we also, you just bear this in mind, the chitta <laughs> generates the world.
then you know you're probably aware so for example you see people who have extremely a lot of paranoia then they will see people who they feel threatened by right in extreme cases it becomes obvious that Jitta has created these people people who are frightened of or oh she criticises me he doesn't like me or whatever you know Jitta is projecting very normal and so it does that and uh, you know or desire of course that's a really lovely thing I want to have one of those so it projects that and that happens kind of almost by default so very important to just acknowledge some of these projecting tendencies and acknowledge acknowledge because sometimes they're quite subtle but I don't know how it's like for you but like anxiety is I better do this otherwise I will be what? Blamed, left out, disgraced, accused, failure. Who, who said that? Your will said that. <laughs> right. So we this kind of way that it we, it generates a world that we can feel of other people, particularly who we can feel intimidated by. He's an intimidating person. Well, I expect he could be, but <laughs> on certain times, but, you know, where's that? You know, the, what's called perception. So jitta, as it, you know, as it searches for a place to be, it generates a world, a world that it lives in. So the very, you know, of course, the jitta is, has many qualities to it, but we take an extreme, you know, the parent person who's deeply afflicted with paranoia, they, their jitta establishes a world of fear and threat. That's called a perception, right? And then, if you're totally into power, you see things you want to dominate and control. Do you have to dominate and control? Otherwise, what? You know. So he's still asking these questions. What? what who said that? Yeah. And what are we running away from? The fear of losing control, the fear of not being adequate, the fear of having made a mess. How true is that? Now, of course, your jitta is there. One can keep establishing that world. And the jitta is pretty quick and pretty sharp when you start to... Well, I know it because you see the way she coughed? That was a sign of irritation. (laughs) She was coughing because of me. You know, you can always find some statistic or detail that could back it up. And... uh, and so it's projection. And, you know. So then this is called perception. 
perception and impression. It just it's it's so it's the impression of where you are on a heart level. And with that with that impression it generates a self and a world. I am a sort of inadequate person in a world of you know vastly superior beings or something. And then maybe only for 10 seconds it lasts. It generates many different worlds. But it always has the sense of there's a self in it who seems to be oppressed by this world and a world. And it both arising perceptually from the citta and then infused with qualities such as ill will, veiled ill will. And so, you know, this thing goes on. So, for example, you know, we set up goals. Perfectionism is a form of ill will. Perfectionism is a source of ill, it's a form of ill will. I've got to be perfect otherwise. Uh, What's perfect mean? Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) polite, well-groomed, on time, efficient, always on the ball, always cheerful, happy, obliging. And then you get Buddhist, perfect Buddhist, moral, kind, compassionate, wise, composed, cheerful, easy to manage, samadhi, gentle meditation. Hey, oh God, you know, wow. And in fact, it's not as not as gross as conscious as that. When you make it conscious, you start to laugh at it. But it sort of nags behind you as a feeling of there's something else you should be, but you don't quite know. But you know, it's not this. (laughs) That is called aversion, right? You're trying to get away from something. That's called averting, moving away from. And say, yeah, but I am a bit of a mess. Um, I wouldn't put it like that, but you've probably got reason to say that. So, but rather than aversion, why don't you do something else? Like embrace the mess. (laughs) And perhaps think, maybe this is just what it's like to be a human being. They're like this. And conditioned and programmed and overstimulated and too much to do. You know, and many, you know, and plenty of things to get. Responsibilities and stuff. Maybe that's what it's like. So let's not kind of add more poison to the mix. Let's start getting a bit of meta karuna around that, that thing. <laughs> you know, so, right? This is called non-aversion. And then, rather than think of all the things you did wrong, I think of the things you did right. Yeah. That you didn't even notice or make much of. Yeah. Mm. You know, you're a bit late, or you didn't clean the bathroom properly, or you don't, don't know, you said that silly thing, and you shouldn't have kept noble silence, you said that silly thing at breakfast time, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did keep the eight precepts. That's a pretty amazing thing to do. Uh, so it's a really uh, helpful just to recognise it's something very difficult to think 
of anything good about yourself. Because of the way the chitta's, you know, tuned, aiming for something other than this. You know. So when it's tuned, when it's primed, when it's conditioned, aiming for something other than this, then, you know, it's basically on a fault-finding mission, isn't it? Aiming for, well, I don't know, because I haven't got there, what I do know is this, which I'd like to not have. So that's what it's tuned into. And it starts, and it keeps moving around that domain, the domain of ill will. And you get the phenomenon which I've commented on, I think you're aware of the inner critic, or the inner tyrant, who's always commenting, mumbling, coming up with remarks of what you should be and aren't, and fault-finding, and putting pressure on you to try to become something other. Yeah. Mm. So, so, but then, so, well, we're surely trying to do something, aren't we? I mean, we don't want to just perpetuate our mess. Oh, certainly intention is required. Yeah, in a way you do want to be clearer and so forth, but you're not going to do it through that. You do it through a healing process and finding what's precious okay, the rare, not remarked upon, basic sanity. <laughs> you know, which, if we, if we have any sense of ethical concern, we have basic sanity. So that's something you, know, you can really make much of. So then you have basic sanity, and then you linger in that. And why? Why should you care about anybody else? But well, you do, don't you? Yeah. You don't want to harm people. Not. You'd sooner people not be harmed. Oh yes. What's that? Right. Very fundamental. This is called a quality called anukampa. Anukampa, the word breaks down into anu means together with or in the presence of. Kampa means to shake, but that's putting strongly sometimes to be, you might say, to resonate. So anukampa means kind of basic empathy, it means we are. We get it. Somebody's in pain, therefore I sense it. You know, there's a basic resonance. And this is the foundation of why the, where, how come the Buddha began to teach, why he bothered <laughs> when he didn't, you know, he's done his work as it were. So, but then he teaches out of Anukampa, out of this sense of fundamental resonance. And there are beings suffering who 
you know, are suffering through not through lack of something that I can provide. So, sense of that. So, it's a fundamental resonance. And this quality of anukampa, you'll see it sometimes translated as compassion, um, sometimes sympathy. Um, but whenever the, it says that the target teaches out of compassion in the suttas, it refers to anukampa. Hmm. I mean, fundamental resonance. You know, it means you, know, you sense this person could really go astray. I'd better give them a bit of a sharp talking to, out of concern. Right? It's not sentimental. But you, you, you sense it, and the Buddha was completed in that. He lived that whole life in that. And um, so this is this is kind of fundamental resonance, which we tune into. And then with that, because it is anu resonant with, you see, it doesn't do anything. It just opens a resonant space, right? From which actions can come, you know, in, if it's possible. So sometimes the Buddha would say, "I see no opening here." You know, uh, so this person is just not available. And he said, "You know, when you see people who are completely absorbed, confused." totally wedded to their confusion he says you cannot the thing is to maintain equanimity so you're present you're available you're not getting stirred up by it you're present available so looking out for that so you maintain this quality of anukampa and equanimity and then whenever then there'll be action sometimes action isn't Avay it possible. Now, um, strangely enough, though you might find it slightly strange, uh, when we look into the early discourses, the Buddha very rarely practices metta and karuna. There's very little mention of him ever practicing it. And though he does mention it, he says, "Oh, in a previous existence, I practiced metta, and I was I was up in the Brahma Loka for I don't know how many kalpas, you know. <laughs> so he, you know, he wasn't he didn't, unfamiliar with it, but he didn't doesn't seem to be many accounts of him ever doing it. <laughs> I think there's one one account, but it may be just I think it's one of these." Stories when this drunken somebody loose this drunken elephant Nalagiri, his cousin wanted to kill him, got this rogue elephant and gave it a load of booze or something. So the elephant was drunk and then he got it to attack the Buddha. And so the monks were going, oh no no no. And the Tathagata says, out of the way monks, I can deal with this. <laughs> so then he kind of sends out his metta, you see, and the elephant kind of hits the metta and goes, whoops. <laughs> gets down on his knees and sorry Lord <laughs> so you think wow that's what it takes to get metra out of a Tathagata <laughs> he's that hard hearted you have to be a drunken elephant before you get any metta from him 
And I think the answer is that it's not that he was hard-hearted, but that he his he was his circle was never dented. <laughs> so metta actually removes the quality of ill will that's sitting in the heart, which can be, you know, failure, can't make it, hopeless, useless. Uh, it removes that and uh, comparing oneself with others in a negative way any kind of negative way either she's not good enough or I'm not good enough any of that, just remove that so the circle is never never distorted it's always there so he doesn't doesn't need to do it most of us need to do it (laughs) you know the sense of really deliberately doing it but he doesn't need to do it because he's done it <laughs> and uh, and it's still basically there's always that quality of resonance you know, that's there and his actions are guided for the welfare of beings and so that's one of those constant epithet you know hitaya for the welfare sukaya for our happiness as the target teaches out of compassion yeah, out of compassion for then he goes to the out of sympathy out of anukampa and even lays down training rules so that people will not get a, a, a negatively affected in the future I'll lay down this training rule to ward off unskillful influences that may take over so it's all you know empathy, compassion, sensitivity concern seeking to, you know, spend his whole life, 45 years, you know, working for the welfare of others. Certainly this was a person of some great heart. But so, you know, it just helps us to, 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 to sense this and to realize, as I think you've, you've practiced and contemplated metta, you probably begin to recognize that one of the most difficult objects of metta is yourself. because yourself as an experience which is your citta as an experience is something that you feel is not good enough and so wherever you turn towards in that direction you know, okay metta you know how do I do that towards this how do I do that towards this how do you do metta towards you who does metta towards yourself I mean it's a, it's a complete tangle isn't it it's like trying a dog trying to bite its own tail how do I practice metta towards myself? Well, who's the one who's practicing metta? <laughs> and if, if, we, if you're able to practice metta, you wouldn't need to have a metta towards yourself because you'd be in it, wouldn't you? <laughs> so you don't really practice it towards yourself. But you do expand the quality of goodwill to include all those reflexes, reactions, moods, perceptions that arise. 
that you call yourself. Right. So, yeah. Okay. That's an idea. What does that mean as a practice? What does it all will feel like as as a felt experience? Before you have a topic or a person to feel disappointed or frustrated by, what does it feel like? It's generally pretty contracted, tense, frustrated, angry, we feel irritable, energy is tight, contracted, you know, know, stirred, right? Just contemplate a sense of not like that. Drop the topic or soften your awareness of the topic and its quality of the energy that resists that pushes away, that tries to just get rid of the energy of that. Ooh, this is part of what human beings, the way human energies go. Right. So now if we come back to our sort of core presence or basic sanity or okayness, and we say, first thing is, can you be okay with that? Can you find a place where you, in this, okay, negative, grumpy, averse, uh, finding fault with everything? Hmm. Sensing that, sensing the energy of it in your embodiment. bristling, hard, fighting, trying to run away, and just from your place of okayness with that, breathing, expanding, including, sending that basic sympathy through the whole field of the embodied awareness so we might imagine that ill will is wrinkled tense, turgid and covering that and keep checking the topics or the world that it creates the world and the topics that it creates so you just say well okay not going to argue with that but the energy and the thrust of that energy, how does that feel? Unpleasant. So is it a pleasant experience or unpleasant experience? Stressful. So aware of the stress, steadying, covering it, with this quality of sympathy, stressing, breathing, non-proliferation, moving towards compassion, kindness. So these qualities can gradually crystallize as you meet the source of discontent.
So the sympathy, the qualities of the Brahmaviharas crystallize as the quality of sympathy meets the dissonance. Okay? Just like you know, the Buddha's metta arises when the drunken elephant charges towards him. So it just crystallizes. You know, in a way the drunken elephant draws it out of the Buddha. <laughs> he, the negativity, you know, shapes the quality of sympathy. I mean, it's like almost like a uh, so so. There's basic sympathy, and then we're touching into something that feels withdrawn, or frightened, or negative, or saddened. And say, it's okay, that's that. And that meeting place is where the Brahmaviharas start forming. They start forming at that particular meeting where the heart meets its shadows. Yeah. And they, 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 they form in accordance with what is needed. So nobody's doing it. You know, it's maybe not snap of the finger instantaneous, but at least, you know, so we start with something like acknowledgement, and rather than it's him, it's them, it's this, it's that, I'm just, maybe so, but I can't change that. What I, I can actually acknowledge the sense of not happy, not happy, not settled, discontented, not, don't feel good. Now don't start blaming, adding more diversion in the mix, just that wrinkled, crotchety, grumpy, yeah, state, which we may know so well. <laughs> you know, feeling put upon, feeling too much is going on, I just want to shudder and hide somewhere, this is stuff. There that. Okay. Now it's not. Oh, cheer up! You know, put a smile on your face. No. <laughs> meeting that, acknowledge. So rather than project it, not to say that you know everything is fine, but you can't deal with the weather, the annoying thing on the screen, the constant music playing whenever you sit down and have a cup of coffee, you think, then shut the thing up, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> you know, I can't do that, what I can do is meet that sense of feeling just irritated, and so then we withdraw the projection, okay, this is that sense, this is important to know this one to this quality because if it doesn't happen here it's going to happen somewhere else it's a potential so acknowledgement and then realism this is a potential there's nothing specifically wrong with you 
This is the potential in the in the chitta. And making it your own isn't going to help any. And blaming it on your mother isn't going to help any. <laughs> and so on and so on and so on, you know. So acknowledge and accept. Now acceptance doesn't mean you adopt it. Like I am, I'm a, this particular person. That no, means you accept the presence of that. So the movement away. Okay, and then where do you really, really feel it? Can you get any kind of bodily impression? I don't mean even specific location. Sometimes you can feel it around your throat or your belly or somewhere. But just when we're beginning to sense, as I'm encouraging you, the bodily field of energy, and you feel something kind of resi- kind of retracting in there or tightening or agitating you know, in that field okay now, now you're getting really getting at it uh, and then that's where we start to sense the field of ill will and then at that point because you have terminated the projections you've begun to terminate the I am out of it then you begin to derail these false strategies which is get over it, shrug it off, forget about it, so forth. Then we meet this shadowy quality with sympathy. Energies then begin to take in to meet and then they, they start to do things. Maybe they begin to release emotion. Emotion may happen. Emotion may indeed happen. If you're, you know, spurts of anger or grief or something, just okay, let that happen. Stay, stay, keep present with that. And sometimes when there is energetic meeting, there's also energetic release, release from constriction, from something that's been shut off. You get a release experience, and release experiences aren't necessarily always fun. Sometimes you can get releases that are happy, sometimes the releases are just, oh, you know, <laughs> and then something, oh, sadness, you know, or something like that happens. Be, what you notice is a big energy shift, energy shifted. But that, that shifting of energy that allows the suffusion of the sympathetic jitta to permeate the field. And then you begin, it begins to just mop up the damage. You know? So that goodwill, uh, compassion, and maybe some celebration. Oh, it's so good to finally not be fighting with myself. Not to be trying to prove myself. Not to be trying to be a Mrs. Perfect. Mr. Nice Guy, so nice to get that off my back. <laughs> ah, it finally got real, you know. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be doing all kinds of unpleasant things, but actually, in the quality of that mudita joyfulness starts to radiate. And then you've got something that really is an offering. Your demons have taught you something. Your demons, your shadows have brought out your have brought out your sunlight. Mm.
breathing through, not splitting off bits. So there's no internal divisions between my shadows and my. You know, it just it becomes unified. So then it's a basis for samadhi, for collectedness in the bodily field, the mental field, collected. So this is why it is to be encouraged. And of course, you know, we all both have you know, these tendencies to be irritated, annoyed, disappointed, offended, feeling let down, betrayed, yeah, you know, guilty, things we didn't do. And then, you know, the tendencies, so just notice that. This is all comes under the category of ill will. And then we might think because of the past. So, you know, generally because the mind has acted in all kinds of confused ways, there's a good amount of called energetic debris, <laughs> which I'm sure you experience if you haven't got a name for it. it just means there's all sorts of bits and pieces flying around. <laughs> you know, voices, images, um, mood shifts suddenly come rushing through and you suddenly feel crashed in the middle of the afternoon or buzzing in the middle of the night. This is energetic debris like asteroids <laughs> flying around and winging it around. So the sense of it is this is kind of this is what you have to mop up. And of course you can't run around mopping it all up. It's a sense of the quality of okay, it's it's two o'clock in the morning I want to be asleep. I really need to be asleep. I've got to get to sleep because I'm going to get up, but I'm not asleep. But I want to be asleep, <laughs> but I'm not asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just open up the fear of sympathy, reclining. It's like this. You're meditating now. You know? you want, you can pull yourself upright, but you can even do it just lying down. Yes. You know, who knows how it's supposed to be? You know, it doesn't fit my plan, but that's nothing new. <laughs> yes, because you know, one who has plans is bound to be disappointed. Right? Have you noticed that? <laughs> so we aim to maintain that circle that includes it all. And sympathy, heart base. So let's get to some direct practice. So um, I don't know where you're at really, but once you've established some sense of you know what I call this core core sanity or okayness, and you begin to sense that and settle into that, they might say you know the the, the next. There's a next 
development is meeting, learning to meet what arises. You know, it could be you walking along and you're meeting the sense of the coolness, and and maybe you're walking along and somebody, okay, somebody's moving in front of you. Just okay, that bell sounds. Just meet what arises. Meet what arises, and uh, when what arises arises, rather than you know, uh, uh, you know uh, just meet, soften, soften the intention, and widen your attention. Form a circle around it. Have a look out for the sense of your will. Selfness, it's trying to separate from it, trying to be separate from what's arising. <laughs> Meet what arises, open the field, you know, non resistance, non adoption. Don't adopt it, don't resist it, breathe through it. And the qualities of sympathy will begin to evolve. You know what is needed. If, if more is needed, more in terms of more nourishment is needed, then more sense of healing is needed. Uh, sense of gladness is needed, or just serene. It's like this now. I'll hold the space. See what you know. Have these themes in mind, and see what arises for you. So let's take some time for direct practice.